And now for something completely different. Hi. Welcome to the future. Remember, no guts, no gallons. All right, welcome. Hey, everyone. <laughs> welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 159. Uh, we are your hosts, Phil and Darren. Today is May 3rd, 2017. And I'd first like to say welcome to Mama Bear, the beard of wisdom, Gandalf's brother. How you doing, man? Good. It's uh, we're, we're back up and running together. Obviously, last week I wasn't on the podcast because I was uh, moving and things were going on or whatever. But here I am. As you can tell, looking behind me, it's not my usual space. I'm in my little brother's house. Uh, Going to be here for a couple months down in Santa Cruz, California, where I grew up. So yeah, I've got uh, definitely a different space. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on it over the next couple months. It'll be perfect right by the time I'm ready to move again. It's so funny because like your background is so bright, but I can't see. And your then face. I'm dark. Yeah, well, you know, I got that evil part of me, and I like to be in the darkness. Is that what it is? It adds the mystery. It is. It's been it's been it's been fantastic dropping with you for the past like week and a half. I mean, you've been, uh, it's been fun, yeah. Streaming every single day. Uh, you, you've been giving away uh, stuff like Oprah, so it's it's good to have you back, man. Brandon, check under your seat. Speaking of uh, Brandon and Salama, let's introduce our guest for this episode. Um, on let's see, where is he on the? I'm looking on the stream now. Okay, so you, to your bottom right. You see Salama, and uh, of course, many of you know Salama as it, it's it's pen click, right? That's what you pronounce it as on Twitch. Yes, pen okay. click, sure. But but it is uh, the 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 spelling is no. Don't change it. Oh, oh, oh is that, I just went in and that, changed it on the doc. He's like, that's uh, not spelled correctly. Oh, it's it's actually P E N C I I C K, but it's pronounced pen click. You see him streaming all the time. He is a regular MWO streamer, Salama, aka Pen Click. There he is. Uh, I'll link it in chat. And then our other guest on the bottom left, as you can see, most of you will know him as one of the absolute original, original NGNG co-hosts. He was with us for years. Brandon, a.k.a. Catrakel. Uh, if you're new to our podcast, then uh, this may be news to you. But anyway, yeah, he's he's been around here from literally from the start. Before we had any kind of relationship with PGI, when we were all still just daydreaming and and guessing what was going to be coming around the corner or whatever with the games that were being announced five years ago, six years ago, or whatever. So, Salama, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's great to be, uh, be back. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a long while. Welcome back. So, of course, as I said, twitch.tv, pen click, but it's P-E-N-C-I-I-C-K. I will link it in a second for uh, to follow him on Twitch. And then Brandon go to he's in aces of course my my unit uh i i say my people know i don't drop with any unit regularly but uh they will always be my unit in my heart acesmercs.com and then you can also check out there it's uh twice a month right your podcast brandon um or thereabouts once when, a when month, we have twice enough information yeah. to do an episode we kind of do an episode <laughs> see that's a great idea phil and i should uh think about that but anyway uh doing an episode when there's things to talk about anyway they do a po- podcast once twice a month something like that you can check them out at youtube.com forward slash catra c-a-t-t-r-a 65 the number 65 and i'll link all those as well but anyway welcome to our guests as phil and i have been saying over the last couple of weeks with these new podcasts the new format what we're going to try and do we're going to try as hard as we can to sit back and let our guests do the majority of the speaking 
on the topics. And uh, Phil, why don't you fill us in on what the topic is today while I link these links? All right. So, for, you know, last week's topic was uh, game modes, and this week's topic is going to be balance. And uh, balance is broke down into a few categories here, and we have battle mechs, weapons and tech, uh, matchmaker, uh, skill tree, or PSR, pilot skill tree, uh, and of course, maps and game modes also sort of tie into this uh, subject as well. Um, so what we want you guys to do is uh, give us your opinions, your thoughts, your feedback, your, uh, you know, your inner workings on what you, uh, what you feel about these things. So we're, we're going to go ahead and start with Battle Mechs because I think that's, that's, the most, that, that's one of those things that affects us. Uh, you hop in the game and obviously you're in mechs and you're dropping all the time and it's something that I deal with and I'm sure you as players deal with. Um, and we're going to go ahead and jump in here, but um, how does mech balance feel currently to you guys? And that can be, uh, uh, give your examples for maybe IS, overall, clan versus IS, or individually. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go one by one. Let's do, uh, you IS. do IS first. So, yeah, so like IS versus IS. How do IS mechs feel overall as far as balance? Uh, assault mechs, so the various uh, IS assaults, heavies, lights, etc., do you guys feel like IS mechs are balanced amongst each other? I think that uh, they, they both bring different things to the table to kind of fill fill roles that the others can't. And the biggest thing is probably just ra- the range difference um, and the heat efficiency difference. On the clan side, you can fit more heat sinks, which will cool off your engine and give you a higher heat cap. On the intersphere side, your weapons generate a lot less heat, but you can't fit as many double heat sinks so you're not jet you're not dissipating that heat very quickly that's probably the biggest difference in terms of like damage output that you'll you'll see in a game i realize there's not really a lot to discuss as far as is amongst is as far as balance so let's just talk uh just mech balance however you want to present it whether you're talking about is only clan only or is versus clan the interesting thing is that you know like uh i can sit in the game and watch um you know faction chat or whatever any of the chat windows or you can go to um, Reddit any given time or the, the MWMercs.com forums. And you still, to this day, have people arguing amongst each other that uh, IS is OP or that clans are OP. I mean, literally, you know, people screaming crazy, angry, mad that the other person doesn't agree, doesn't understand or whatever. And you still have people on both sides of the fence. Uh, Brandon, how do you feel about battle mech balance? Well, I think right now, with the current state of the game, is um, you do have a huge gap between, as far as tech, um, between clan and intersphere, and I think that's the biggest difference. I think if you look at a, a intersphere with fighting intersphere, I think the balance is pretty good. If you look at clan versus clan, I think the balance is pretty good. But I think that comes down to more of the tech rather than the mechs themselves. Of course, you always have your standout 1% mech, so the Kodiak, for example, just the way that the hard points are and the amount of weaponry that it can take due to being a 100-ton mech, of course, it's going to outshine anything that you throw at it. So I, I think if you're breaking it down as inner sphere versus inner sphere, I think balance is good because it's all the same pure tech. Uh, clan versus clan, again, balance is good, but I think the difference is the imbalance in the tech between the two and that's where we see the biggest divide and obviously i was going to say with this conversation we can go really down the rabbit hole just because when you say tech um you know we're talking about endo pharaoh crits right you're talking about double heat sinks crits with double heat sinks the efficiency heat capacity dissipation 
But you're also talking about weapon um, tonnage as well. That differs. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about a multitude of things here. Um, let, let me let me ask you guys another question when it comes to clan versus uh, IS balance. Um, what do you what do you see as far as like the biggest one thing? Is there one thing that it really breaks it for you as far as the the clan versus IS? I think uh, to preface that, I think you need to start considering what what res- what happens in a match. Like a lot of people, like Darren said, they complain one way or the other, and it's you you always hear different differences in opinions, and both aren't necessarily wrong. It's it's everything's right. It's just what's happening inside of a match to make it powerful. If somebody is in the right position, if they're using the right terrain, or if they're on the on a particular map. All of these things factor into whether or not you know there's there is a discrepancy to begin with, or which one is going to be more um, powerful in a given situation. But just comparing them on paper side by side, it's very difficult without factoring those things in to actually make any comparison. But like if you were to compare the direwolf to the Kodiak on paper, they may have similar hard points, right? They may have similar tonnage, albeit a little bit different because of Indo and Pharaoh. Um, but then the difference between the Kodiak and, and direwolf as soon as you get into a match, it's apparent. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah. I mean, the direwolf, it can fit more power, more firepower. It has way, way more hard points. It has, um, it's spread all the way across the mech. You can, you can definitely make a lot more, uh, builds on a direwolf. And that's why I continue to play them all the time. But the situations that you find yourself in, it just, and then people complain that the direwolf isn't, isn't, uh, viable because they can't they don't play it right they can't find enough situations to make it work whereas the kodiak doesn't need to worry about that as much because it has the the high mounts it's more generally good in any given situation it's faster it's faster i was going to say as, center torso has it has, has a better profile right yeah. i mean and i mean and, the, and those are the type of things that uh you know we we're going to get into what makes good mechs good and what makes bad mechs but bad, before we get there right um, going back to just looking at IS or just looking at clan and Brandon or uh, Salama, feel free to, to answer. Um, which faction do you feel has the most outliers, meaning uh, the most underperforming mechs or the most overperforming mechs? Would it be IS or clan? Either one of you take it. Um, I might as well speak up here first then. Uh, Intersphere, I think, has a lot of underperforming mechs, especially compared to clan, and I think that is mainly due to the Omnipoint system. Um, being able to take a mediocre mech on paper and switching up the parts on it to make it a performance mech uh, compared to just being stuck with the parts you have on the Inner Sphere side is just kind of uh, a kick in the pants of the Inner Sphere at least, or at least until Inner Sphere gets their, their Omni mechs if they get them. So, uh, Salama, you agree? Um, yeah, it, I was thinking about it, and I, I, do, I do agree that the Inner Sphere... It can't make up for some of its its lack in in um, options because it can't switch those hard points on different components. And the clans can they they can create viable combinations just because of the Omnipod six system. But then we look at things like the Hunchback two C and the Kodiak the Kodiak three specifically, and those are those are battle mechs too. They're I mean they're they're clan tech battle mechs. No Omni no Omnipods, and yet they're still like the the top of their weight class. I was going to say, but in, in conjunction to that, 
uh, it's because of hardpoint locations, right? And the physical size and then the nature of what Brandon and you were saying, which is tech, right? If the Hunchback 2C didn't have those high mounts, right? And it couldn't survive an engine blowout or it couldn't upload on the double heat sinks, would it be as effective uh, as a performer? And yeah, I think you have to look at Intersphere mechs. Well, is there is there an, an Intersphere medium mech that can take two PPCs high mounted? Well, there's the Blackjack. Okay, well it's four, it's five tons less. It gets um, it gets more quirks for um, those uh, the PPCs, but the clan PPCs do more damage. So now the comparison goes down to uh, a weapon balance thing. Clan PPCs do more damage than Intersphere PPCs, and in terms of solo queue, where damage is pretty much what makes you the most money you're gonna you're gonna wish you had those clan ppcs dealing the extra 10 damage per alpha if you have two of them so you know when, when we talk about balance would you guys look at it as more of a um let's just compare apples to apples here if you have ferrofibrous armor or endo for is right right now those things net you x percentage of the mech's total weight and savings right but they take up crit space same thing with the the clan but right off the bat, I mean, if you just look at the pure numbers, and of course, it has nothing to do with opinion at this point, the clan Indo and Pharaoh is just straight up better. So would you guys say, do you tackle that as an issue of balance and say, well, maybe you change something with that system? Or do you find other ways of, of uh, adjusting the, the clan balance? Is it uh, through dissipation and capacity? Is it through uh, weapons themselves? Uh, or do you... Do you target these individual systems to make trade trade-offs? Um, how do you guys feel about that? Catcher, you want to go on this one? <laughs> <laughs> In other words, I don't have an well, answer. So, catch- no, I think uh, I think slots is a huge. It's a huge balancing factor, especially in a in a mechware title where we have full control over what we put on mechs, and that's a, that shows itself in the clan versus IS tech and just the double heat sinks. I mean, you taking up one less slot. That's that's thirty three percent less space that the clans have to invest in into into heat sinks uh, slots so you can take a lot more of them and make up the difference in in your weapon heat and it's uh it's an extremely big topic and i hadn't really considered the fact that inner sphere takes up twice as many slots for their endo and pharaoh and that i mean that could easily be used as a, um, a balancing tool because if if pgi is limited to maintaining stock builds, you can make things use less slots without affecting uh, stock builds. So if, they, if that's if that's a major criteria, then that's something that should be on the table. Well, well what about even if couldn't you keep it uh, canon though? I mean, even if you're working with the regards of, it, you know, clan do take up seven crit slots for each, and IS is fourteen. I mean, couldn't we go a step further and saying, uh, okay, well, even lore wise. Uh, Indo is more brittle, um, so clan structure is more uh, susceptible to ta- a damage modifier or something to that effect or, or something like that. Brennan? I think you could do something along that lines. Uh, I've always been a very pro, more more kind of a... So, like, when they were proposing engine damage and it came with negative side effects and stuff like that, that sort of stuff I was always more pro of. Now, putting those sort of things on quirks such as uh, the endo steel in Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh armor, if I can speak today, um, 
could be a benefit, but I think it still comes down to just the amount of crit slots available versus what the equipment takes up. And I know when back, way, way back, like five years ago, when MechWarrior Online was first coming out and when all we had was MechWarrior 4, a lot of people didn't want um, restricted crit slots in places where, um, kind of like the MechWarrior 4 system where you only had two slots for uh, missiles and one slot for energy and an arm or something like that uh, for your crit spaces. But I, I've seen since then when everyone's like, no, that's garbage, make it like Mech Warrior 3 where you can just put uh, 11 machine guns in an arm and no one cares. Um, and now I'm, I've seen people calling for bringing back perhaps restricted crit slots because of just the amount of stuff you can shove into clan versus IS in terms of what, like, the amount of crit slots that a weapon or armor or um, heat sinks being the biggest one where clans can shove heat sinks into the legs, but inner sphere can't. So that's something also to consider. Uh, assuming you're not using single heat sinks, which I don't think anybody who plays IS does. So Okay, I mean, and of course in chat I, I see someone says uh, the game should be asymmetrical, you know. Um, is And again, I, I just sort of feel like that's a um, well, finish that up. What he's talking about is firepower, firepower for the clans. Yeah, I, what I'm saying is like not a one to one. Like you, you know, yeah. Indo for clans. Don't try and balance them to be equals. Do, yeah, but then different strengths, different weaknesses. Again, yeah, but I guess that's what I'm sort of getting at is what are the, currently what is the strength and weakness of of taking Indo and Pharaoh? The the uh, weakness is it takes crits. The weakness of IS is it takes double the amounts of crits. So if you're a light mech. Indo and Pharaoh is pretty much a go-to, but then as soon as you get into mediums, there's only a handful that can do it. It's, and it's usually mechs that don't require uh, large amounts of weapons. It's just, you know, one, two, or three. Like, for instance, Yen Lo. Uh, there's a few uh, heavies and, and even um, uh, mediums. And, of course, there is a handful of assaults, but it's just because they have, like, two peeps and a goss, and that's it, right? Um but, uh, you know, so let's go ahead and dive in here. I mean, hard points. Well, ho- yeah, hold on. Before we do that, I just want to end it by getting some people pissed off. Um, so often <laughs> I see, you know, people on the forums, as I mentioned, the, the various communication methods saying, you've, you, you keep nerfing my clans. Clans nerf, clan nerf, clan nerf. And uh, IS is, is OP now. Um, Brandon, who, who's OP? Who's Who's... Who's better, clans or IS? Who's OP? Yeah, Comstar's OP. Who is? Comstar. Comstar. Comstar's no. OP. Um, well, we all know that. I'm going to say honestly, it depends. Um, if you're looking at individual variants, look at both you trying to get out of it. Huge. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of it. Uh, huge outliers um, that stand out, but overall, I do think uh, in general, clan is more OP than Intersphere, and it's mainly due to the flexibility and the amount of damage that they can put out. Because of that flexibility, and I'm more towards like the Omni system and being able to lose an XL engine without dying instantly. Absolutely, Salama, your your thoughts? I'm gonna try to get it out of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, I have I have to say it's 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 not a which one is more powerful. It's which one is I I, I, know, I guess this is kind of what you mean is which one is more powerful in the most situations because yes. in you general. run into so many different situations on so many different maps. And it really depends on on your team synergy and coordination and all this other stuff, because you can make what, anything work. But 
I've, I've a better way of asking this. That, uh... A better it. way of asking this to both of you, and we'll start with Salma. If you had to take one assault mech, you didn't know what map it was going to be, but you had one choice of assault mech, what would you take? I'm trying not to say Kodiak, but I have to say Kodiak. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brennan? I mean, it's going to come down to the Kodiak at the end of the day, if it's it's the most viable for any situation. But obviously, that's that's one mech. And, and I, I agree what you were saying, Salama, is it's situational. And I think that's a lot of the examples people provide. I just got out of a match, and this happened to me, so therefore this is that. I think a lot of people use situational anecdotal evidence or whatever. And, and now, my personal feeling is that, yeah, the clans are still you know, a bit OP, but, uh, and, and people go a bit or people go, what the hell? No, I asked, but whatever. This is where I have to interject and say, I a hundred percent agree with what Brandon said, which is it depends what variants you're talking about and what clan mechs you're talking about. Cause not all clan mechs are OP. Some of the worst no, defenders of in the game are actually clan mechs because yep. they're weak across the board. I mean, uh, you know, miss links, box. right? Well, icebox and one B one can be fucking brutal, with the icebox, yeah. right? The icebox in, uh, but I've seen uh, ice ferrets wreck face, right? It's always context. But then on the flip side, you have, uh, I feel like the benefit of the clans is the Omnipod system for the most part, except for the one with the battle mechs. But it's because if you have five variants, they can basically choose the best five, you know, combinations of whatever they want, right? Which is the IS, you just have to pick which one is the best out of them. So like IE, the Locust, you may go with the 1E just because it has the most firepower. But you want the ECM, so you have to take four energy with the ECM. And I feel like, um, you know, some of that has to come down to is hard points. Um, and so let's go ahead and move into that just because back in the day when, uh, before quirks were out, we used to judge mechs on what? Hard points? location of hard points does it have ecm does it have jump jets what's the physical size of the mech and sort of like medium lasers you can squeeze into it well it's just the fact of those are the the things we used to judge mechs for so for instance uh hunchback was really fantastic but then the shadow hawk came out and it was able to do an ac 20 with jump jets so it automatically null and voided the hunchback in the context of if you had to take one medium Right for, in a, in for a, that specific weapon system too. Right. I think that was a huge a huge factor early on when we didn't have a lot of mechs. Is which mechs can run this particular weapon system or combination yeah. of weapon systems like and that, AC5, and that's why you saw the PPC. rise of the Highlander and you saw the um, rise of the Victor as well. Yep. So even if it even if it had bad hardpoint locations, like the the Cataphract 3D was the only heavy mech that could use jump jets and do ppc gauze or ppc ac5 and even though it had low slung arms it was still the go-to and that was because of just the state of the game and, and weapon balance it wasn't necessarily a mech balance thing yeah exactly now one thing i did see somebody bring up earlier is that uh somebody was mentioning something along the lines that uh you're never going to have all mechs balance there's always always no matter what there's going to be underperformers and overperformers do you guys agree with that should it be the goal to make everything as perfectly balanced as possible is it okay to have underperformers uh what do you guys think what i'd like to see is that every mech has can can go into a a match and have a purpose 
And it, it, that means that really heavily relies on the pilot knowing what that purpose is. <laughs> and they have to adapt to, okay, the mode and the map. But you should be able to, to do well in anything. Um, and <laughs> it comes down to pilot skill, really, at that point. Not necessarily a mech. I mean, it's hard for me to, to comment too much on, on the average player's um, abilities to make a, a mech perform well. But that's something that you have to know going in. So uh, saying something like the Ice Ferret should always perform well in every any given situation. Well, you have to go to a match and decide how are you going to make it happen. And you have to play it to its strong suits, which is speed. So I think it comes down to giving each mech a purpose and... For the ice ferret, it's it's definitely down to its speed, and making use of of your movements just like a light mech. So uh, giving giving a mech a character or some sort of uh, personality, I think, is more important than making them comparable to one another. If that makes sense. So like, I don't want my Nova to be comparable to an ice ferret. That they're, they're completely different mechs. So if one has a different flavor than the other, I think that's that's good enough because it allows the player to decide how they're going to play a match instead of I'm just going to go in there and do the same thing I've always done and I'm going to do really well doing the exact same thing and no matter what mech I'm in. I think that is unreasonable. Brandon, when a new mech is coming out uh, and we've only got concept art, say we're at that stage or whatever, what do you look at? So let's say, let's say it's an official pack. So we have the concept art and then we have the specs on the website. What do you look at as far as trying to determine ahead of time whether the mech is going to be, you know, a contender. Is it hard points? Are you looking at, uh, I mean, obviously we can't determine hitboxes until it's out. So what do you, what do, you do to, to try and figure that out? So there's a couple things you look at, uh, or at least myself, I look at. Um, one, ECM, does it have it? Yes, no, maybe. Um, max engine size, bigger, better. And where the hitbox, or where the hard point locations are actually located on the mech, uh, on the mech themselves. Um, is it going to be able to take an AC-20 in the side torso or can it squeeze into Gauss rifles or something like that? Like those are the important things that I think a lot of people look, look at and if they're looking at purchasing a mech or something like that. Um, more so than, oh, this mech is... Some, some people, of course, will just buy a mech because they like it. Look at the, the Bushwhacker, for example. I'm not saying the Bushwhacker is a bad mech, but how many people actually bought that because it was the Bushwhacker? So, but I think for the most people, and I think it's not a hard thing to say, but I think engine size, ECM, jump jets are not as much of a thing to look at as they used to be. Um, of course, being able to take them is always nice as well, but, and hard point location. I think those are the key three things that people look for in a mech. So, um, Salome, Sol- you mentioned um, flavor of a mech, right? You, you mentioned sort of it being special um isn't that sort of a problem though right now in, in the oh, game as, big as far as you know what is the difference between a nova and an ice ferret when it comes to if each had four energy hard points right as far as like what what makes it one different than the other in that regards where if you had two exact you know 250 tonners where do you get that flavor right because uh, right now, isn't it just about killing enemy mechs? Yeah, I think I think the bottom the bottom line in the game is to kill enemy mechs. But I think uh, the flavor that I'm talking about, especially in the comparison of the Ice Ferret to the Nova, I mean, they're they're pretty different mechs, different tonnages, and different they they both 
have pretty much entirely energy hard points uh, for most of your builds. It's the speed versus jumping, and um, they both play very differently. You're going to utilize terrain differently, and that's the flavor that I'm talking about. You can't play them the same way. Um, but then you look at the the state of the game currently, and you take all mechs into account, and you start seeing all these overlapping things. So when like kind of building off of what Catcher was saying, I think uh, I look at a mech pack, and I the first thing I look at is okay, what can I what can I run on it that's unique? What makes it what makes it stand out from all these other mechs that I can run the same loadout even on? I mean, am I going to have to play this in a different way? And that's what I look at. If I like the Bushwhacker. I bought the Bushwhacker because it can run stuff that no other 55-ton medium mech can run. And that is a different flavor to me because I can try something that's never been done before. Um, Brennan, do you feel that the hard points currently, and what I mean by hard points is how they operate, like for instance, a ballistic is a ballistic for all ballistic weapons, right? For instance, if you have one ballistic, you can take a Goss or an AC-20 all the way down to a machine gun. Do you feel like that's good or bad uh this is where i'm gonna get absolutely roasted um i i feel i i kind of have lean both ways on this one one i do like the flexibility of having a completely open hard point system um but i think in hindsight and as much as everyone hated it in mech warrior 4 having limited crits did keep some of the things in balance um that said there's still issues with that um that will probably never get fixed but I would, I would, I'd say at the end of the day, I would rather have the flexibility of what we have now than limiting it down. That said, if PGI wanted to run a uh, PTS with maybe limited crits, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you there. I mean, that's that's one way that you can start adding more flavors by restricting what kind of loadouts you can take on certain mechs, and that might mean that you can't take you know the super awesome builds on the top performers in some cases because you, you literally can't fit a gauss rifle there type of thing and that's what people brought up early on but early on it wasn't such a, so much of a problem because we didn't have this this general blanket of okay now we have a mech that can run any loadout in any any arrangement hardpoint location there wasn't this oversaturation of hardpoints basically so the customization was a lot more important but now that we have so many mechs in the game so many combinations We've pretty much reached that level of saturation, and, and hardpoint sizes would help add more flavor back into the game. It might not be agreed upon, like Catcher was saying, and there's definitely issues with it, but that's well, one way that you can solve you also, that. You also have to remember that when MechWarrior Online was announced, we were coming out of people uh, still playing uh, MechWarrior 4 and saying like how that hardpoint system was complete garbage because they wanted it to be more MechWarrior 3 as well, right? So... It, it that that's where I'm kind of looking at it as well. It's kind of a hard spot to stand and make a decision. But so I can... in terms of flavor, uh, CK16 in chat says, "Look to the lore." Is it that simple, guys? I was, you know, that got me thinking about more, not necessarily the lore for the mech. I mean, you you could definitely draw some inspiration from from that, but adding unique abilities. I'm not trying to make this Overwatch. I mean, that's going to be the meme of, of anything nowadays, you know, specific class abilities and stuff, but really, that's that's definitely a potential thing, you know, give something an ability, some sort of mechanic that that's active for that chassis or for that variant. Uh, probably just a chassis-wide thing, so, you know, you have hunchbacks that are good at something. And not necessarily quirks, but I'm thinking more, like, straight-up 
a unique ability that you're saying like press like q e w sort of thing and it activates for (laughs) no i'm being serious like for instance like yeah what what if you had a what if you had an override or over you know uh, you know uh something feature on a mech and it boosted the cooldown for 10 seconds or whatever but then it took you know x amount of time i mean is that is that what you're basically saying like that or like an agility Um, boost for you know my armor muscle fiber for x amount of time exactly exactly and you can look to lore to see what different mechs were 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 known for what they were famous and used for their purpose in the battlefield and then you can also um even dive deeper and start looking at different units and different unit abilities because there's a lot of content there a lot of things that you could probably carry over um there's things to do with initiative and stuff but i mean obviously initiative doesn't work in a in a real-time game, but so, uh, you can you can definitely adapt things. You what guys, do you mean I can't roll dice and go first? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You guys mentioned, um, and again, hard point size. I just want to clarify for someone that may not know it or understand or, or want a little bit of filled in. Uh, the term hard point size is MechWarrior 4 did a hard point size, but what they did is they actually moved away from cannon and lower setups. So, for instance, a Timberwolf Prime, they didn't have you know, the, the two LRM-20s and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they did their own thing, which was fine. But MechWarrior uh, Online, um, when he says hardpoint sizes, it would be, like, the equivalent of uh, the Catapult K2. comes with two machine guns in the left-right torso. So in this context, it would only be able to mount uh, regular machine guns, maybe heavy if we have them or whatever, uh, light, uh, you know, ballistic weapons, but that's it. Um, now, I see this as a benefit, and I also see this as a detriment, and the detriment would be, again, it cuts into the customization factor. Um, but I feel like uh, you're still going to run into the issues where another mech comes out and it has better hardpoint locations than another one in the same weight class, whatever. And even if it, you know, you had, you know what I'm saying, you would still get the redundancy uh, potentially with hundreds of variants out there. Uh, but where I do see this being beneficial is uh, what you guys brought up. Like, for instance... Um, uh, you know, the Hunchback 4G would have a, I guess, a salt, or it could take whatever ballistic or heavy ballistic, right? It wanted in the right torso, but then the Shadowhawk would be relegated to like AC5s or UX or racks or something like that. So you then you wouldn't have to worry about it, the the Hunchback and its specialty, if you will, uh, being overplayed or overshadowed. Um, but I feel like. Is that a tough sell to the community at said point in time? Because, I mean, all that really is is just an additional rule, build rule, right? It's basically saying you have a ballistic hard point, but you can only fit large ballistics. Or you have two here, but you can only fit fit medium. Do you think that's something that the community would be like, man, I don't want to fucking touch. No, you're horrible. Or is it something like, yeah, yeah, you know, I can see. I, I think you got a pretty good split on it at the moment. Um, like I said, when, when the game first was announced, everything like that, nobody wanted it. I don't think a single person suggested it. It was like, if you talked about it on the forums, that was a flame war for two days straight. Um, now, I've seen people bring it up as a suggestion. Um, I've seen people somewhat support it. But again, I think it does come down to maybe run it in a PTS as a proof of concept type thing. And see what people's feedbacks are on it um, because there's multiple ways that you could do it and just going back to the last topic a little bit of giving mechs personality um, I'm going to have to agree with that as well I think giving some mech some sort of I don't want to say like an ability but like 
with the quirk system as we currently have it, I think the best one that gets kind of a its own flavor um, type of thing is the gridiron. That thing can throw out Gauss rifle rounds like it's nothing, like it's water uh, coming out of a garden hose. Like it's it's such a unique feature for that specific mech that um, I, I, I think if if all mechs could kind of go that route and have its own little niche thing, be it speed, be it anything else, um, I think it would be very, very fun to play and very unique to each mech as well. And, and Darren, I know you want to cut in here. Just one second of thought. I do like the idea of sort of abilities in the context of what you were just saying. Uh, Gridiron, for example, what you could do is for, you know, 15 seconds, it could have a really high increase, like 25% increase. But then once that 15 seconds is done, it then loses like 5% for the next, you know, as it cools down. And that sort of checks and balances. I do like the idea. I do like the idea of it tying into uh, agility as well. I do like the idea of that being tied into like infotech and being able to like lock on targets, hold your lock or sensors and stuff. I think that would be cool. I just, you know, it's one of those things where it's a big undertaking with 500 some odd variants, right? Well, that could also be tied potentially um back way back at the uh launch party when they talked about um pilots having their own kind of skill tree as well maybe you could level up those type of things but that's way off topic (laughs) all right it's just fun watching chat because i mean you know and and i love our community uh very different opinions um, you know, and, and I'm personally, I like the idea of things like the gridiron that has a unique ability and, and, you know, with the, with the Gauss. Um, but I remember when the quirks first came out, I remember, uh, you know, a large contingent of people that that pissed off because not that they were forced to do a certain loadout with, because of the quirks, but they felt like if they weren't doing the loadout that the quirks suggested that they were, you know, they were going to be underpowered or whatever. So they felt like they didn't have the flexibility that they had beforehand. So it's just, again, it's just, you know, different opinions and you can see it going on right here in chat. Um, and, and it's, it's hard. You can't, it, you can't obviously please everybody. Well, and, and, and you know, you know what the kicker about brother. this topic is with customization and the amount of customization we have, it creates balance issues. Like, the ability to put any ballistic weapon, as long as you have a ballistic hard point, is a balance issue because it, it null and voids what we were just talking about. It creates those issues. But it also, from a player perspective, it's freedom, right? But then the player is like, yeah, I wish that mech had more, you know, like more flavor, or just what you're saying. But then how do you go about that? Do you, you know, and so I feel like, again, it's this it's one of those where we want one thing. Here's a you know a solution. Well, no, you know I don't know. Even though we wanted it, um, but let's go ahead and move on to uh, you know away from battle mechs specifically and move on to tech and weapons. Civil War tech is coming down the pipeline. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about this, obviously because of the time jump. But this offers, for the most part, is is big jump in, in power as far as the weapon systems. Big big jump in tech as well. Um, yes, clans get like ATMs, heavy lasers, you know, stuff like that. Ooh, ah, uh, yeah, that's really good. But IS is the one that it's really catching up. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about something that I feel like needs to be talked about, and that's engines. Um, I felt like, and, I, and I'm going to talk here just a little bit. I felt like standard engines versus IS XLs. 
it had a good yin and yang, right? You had the trade off the XLs, giving you the the freedom of the tonnage, you know, but you had to sacrifice the survivability aspect. Um, when clan was introduced, I feel like that created a huge issue between clan and IS balance. The issue I see on the horizon is if we keep the current sort of system, there is going to be almost no place for a standard engine on IS side if you can always take the extra light engine. And then also, why would you ever take an XL? How do you guys feel about that? And do you, do you, have you, have you talked about possible solutions, uh, pitfalls, stuff like that, Salma? I know that's probably the, the biggest thing that I've thought about is what's going to be uh, possible with the, the light fusion engines on the, the Intersphere side. And then I really had to think about, okay, well, which mechs are actually going to use this? Because there is going to be a sacrifice there, like light mechs and medium mechs. Obviously, they, they take an XL engine because they need the tonnage to take the firepower. Um, so the trade-off for durability is probably not going to be worth it. Uh, and that's speaking from kind of a bias standpoint because of my, my philosophy with the game. And the quicker you kill your enemy, the less damage you're going to take from him. Um, and I think a lot of people on the top end really, really understand that, that philosophy. But it gets interesting once you start looking at heavy mechs and assault mechs because they need the speed, but they also need the weight to take more firepower. So that's where the, the choice of XL has always been so painful. But now you can you can drop that standard engine, fit more firepower, you're faster and you're durable still. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty much a go to I would think for most of my own heavy and assault mechs. What about? But I do think that standard engines are gonna have a place still because um, a lot of a lot of mechs need to fit weapons in their torsos and two slots might you might not be able to to spare two slots in your torso. Do you have any thoughts on that, Brandon, just in general? Uh, I've thought about this a while ago, and it, it it's changed a bit since when I last thought about it. Um, but I think pretty much hit it spot on. Um, I think your heavies and your assaults are going to benefit from the new uh, new extra light engines for um, the Inner Sphere. And your lights are still going to be having to take XLs um, because of the weight savings. Um even even now, like the only reason some of these heavy and assault mechs take standard engines um, is because they don't want to get blown up once they lose a torso from brawling. So once you take that fear away, of course everyone's going to gravitate to the the better thing. Um, as far as what they could what could potentially be done in the future to um, offset or still make a standard engine viable or something like that would be maybe. Maybe at some of the lower level engines, um, take away the need for ten heat sinks or the extra heat sinks um, to be playable. Uh, Light Max could then take a standard engine and cram on uh, the extra weapons or something like that, and not get blown up instantly if they didn't need to take up all the extra slots or the extra tonnage, filling it up with four or five extra heat sinks to just even be playable. I feel like it. it... It has to be taken a step further than that. Um, like crits. Like, we don't have crits. We don't have anything involved with engines. And I feel like that's something that could definitely be looked at is the idea that uh, you take internal structure, you can take engine hits, and they have negative aspects to that. Instead of just giving mechs and engines just a straight-up structure buff, right? It's just additional structure or whatever. Uh, what if 
that's what was expanded upon, which is crits, crits, hits, negative effects, potential engine destruction or malfunction to that extent. And the reason I bring that up is that would basically mean your standard engines are fucking tough, right? They're able to take a lot of hits uh, and keep ticking. Whereas a potential trade-off now would be XLs would be a little bit more survivable than the light. You see what I'm saying, how it would scale upwards. And the reason I say that's important is look at clan XLs as well. Even though we're focusing on the LFEs, the reality of it is, is like there has to be a change. Like is I literally know no reason to take a clan standard engine. Like you, so you have a piece of equipment that's completely useless. Well, does right? okay. So along those lines, and this may be a super simple answer, and, and that's fine. Answer it. Uh, does every single piece of tech need to be useful and uh, in, in in all situations or whatever? Like for example, <clears throat> some people familiar with World of Tanks, you you level up your tank and. Once you get out of your first engine or your second engine, you're up to the top tier engine for that particular tank. You don't go back and use the old ones because you got past them. Now I know it's a different setup; it's a different game. Um, but does every do do single heat sinks have to have a place, or you know, or is it a stepping stone? Might be a, a simple answer though. Yeah, I think that's pretty simple, and the answer is no. I I I wouldn't ever fight for every piece of equipment to be viable in some way i mean in in a lot of cases they are like there will be a situation that you'll find yourself in that you might want single heat sinks in like a dual gauze build or something that's not gonna generate a lot of heat uh just like standard engines i mean there are situations where a um snafu says the, the quad kodiak the quad gauze kodiak and i can't think of many more that would take a standard engine <laughs> i mean it mostly comes down to fitting two gauze rifles and a single torso uh, so I think that's a big discussion that can be had. What can you do be, what can be done to standard engines specifically to bring them up? Like some sort of bonus that you get in terms of heat dissipation because, um, standard engines, I mean, they, they free up slots and they take up a lot of tonnage. And, um, other than that, they don't, they're no different in terms of heat capacity or, uh, dissipation. So I think Catra was onto something. I think for like the smaller the smaller engines is is make it somewhat tied to to heat in some way or capacity and, and heat generation. My buddy watching the uh, podcast just said that I look like a drug dealer that's narking <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> I need a, the shade a, a voice help. modulator. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get a lamp for next one. Um, so I, I see, and I like that idea, but it's basically saying. You, you have to, there needs to be a give and take for the standard and there needs to be a give and take for XLs and LFEs. I feel like right now, there's not as much of a give and take uh, with the standard. The, the, the give is it gives you survivability. The, the take is it takes so much fucking tonnage that it's not really practical for a lot of mechs and setups. Uh, there are a select few, but then you take the select few that want a standard engine, they're outgunned, outmaneuvered, generally speaking, by the mechs with XLs and especially with LFEs. And I will say this, LFEs may actually be beneficial to some of the um, uh, IS lights that don't have a very high top speed. Uh, some of the Ravens and stuff like that, that they're not really concerned. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're not going to be going 140, 150 kph. So taking an LFE actually may be beneficial because they are slower, they're easy to hit, Hey, let me strap on an Elfie. I can take that side torso blow off and keep ticking. Now, granted, um, I still feel like uh, the side torso blow off 
um, right now is uh, is something to talk about too with uh, XLs and LFE. But um, let's let's talk about uh, a few of the weapon systems that are coming down the pipeline: heavy Goss, uh, PPCs, multiple types, snub nose. Well, right before the, the new weapons, let's talk about current weapons. Are there any weapons that are standout OP above everything? Like you know, it'd be easy for people to say. Uh, you know, all you Ooh, hold on, hold on, no, there. no, yeah. I've got it. Go. Is the problem the night gear in Kodiak or any of these <laughs> setups, or is it? Is the problem dual goss peep or two peep goss? Is it the weapons or is it the mechs that can fill them? Go. Stop. <laughs> that is, it's it's the it's the weapon systems. Um, it always ha- it always has been. Um, ever since way way in the beginning, like when we when we're talking when the game first came out, it was stacking medium lasers. How many medium lasers could you stack on a mech just because of the deep, the damage you could do per second there was so high, and then now or then you had the evolution to the AC five PPC, and now you have PPC Gauss because of the amount of how how quickly they can hit pinpoint etc chat disagrees chat thinks it's the mechs what do you yeah, think i agree Sama? with i agree with chat i think it's the mechs because i mean we've had we've had mechs that can fit this stuff and they just they don't perform as well i mean we've had the timberwolf that can take gauze ppc but i mean it, it was it was there for a while um and it's still very good um but it's i think that the the mechs that can take it are going to be a bigger factor i mean the nightjer can can utilize those weapons better because all three weapon systems are very high mounted and it can jump um that <laughs> without that i don't think it's going it wouldn't be as big of an issue for the nightjer if the nightjer couldn't jump then it wouldn't be as good with it or if the the arms were a little bit lower i mean then you might cons- you might compare the weapon system a bit more with the uh, the timberwolf and start looking at dual dual ppc gauze again but it's it's more of what the weapon, the platform that you're putting the weapons on, than the weapon system itself. So well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it in the way of why are you tra- trying to cram those specific weapons? Though is kind of how I'm looking at it. Why why those specific weapons are you trying to cram into the best platform for it? Sula says, better question is, is it a problem? Is it a problem that the uh, the Gauss and the PPC are better? No, I, I actually don't think it's a problem. I just think that's uh that that's the what i think i shouldn't say really the problem is but like that those two there's always going to be the meta weapon and people are just going to go to it so so okay you want to you want to min max your your damage and your heat you know and and gods plus ppc just they go together and your exposure to the enemy that's why you can jump up (laughs) and you can you can okay let me ask you so brandon you feel it's the weapon systems salma you feel it's the mechs um is it really a problem okay yes or no why why are these setups popping up uh, in the first place why, why are people since the night gear and i would also say uh, marauder 2c uh and obviously kodiak started the whole in direwolf and stuff dual gas dual peep but the why what's something that's reoccurring theme to you guys that keeps popping up with Basically, these mechs that become, you know, because you can nerf the mech specifically. You could go there and say, hey, Nike, you get shit for a torso angle. Will that stop the behavior? But then what happens when another mech comes out? Do you nerf that in that particular as well? 
But what's a recurring theme that you guys are seeing in all these, or any at all? Highly accurate pinpoint weaponry. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, in alpha damage, I mean, it really comes down to to how much you can fit and and the, the type of playstyle you're going for. So I mean, the, you're going for, you're going for pop time. Yeah, exactly. Face time, well. like which that's comes why down to medium profile. lasers eventually died out. Yeah, medium lasers, especially um, like there's the clan medium lasers too. I mean, they, they have good range. You see them on several builds, but by the time you get in close for the for medium lasers, you're typically like, okay, well, I might as well have brought in small pulse instead if that's what I'm going for because it's so much more heat efficient. Yeah, um, that's when you saw the changeover from regular medium stacking to how many medium pulse lasers could I stack, uh, stack on so that I shoot, twist, tank the damage, shoot again. That's... Okay, th- and it, ha- it has to be constantly adjusting too. I mean, and that's what it's been, and I think that's what it'll always be. Uh, some people in the community have said, you know, why why do they keep changing values? Well, it's because these mechs come out, and it. I'm not, I'm not saying it was the right decision, but when you have a mech that can that can utilize a certain combination and playstyle more than what it was previously, is it? How do you how do you go about? balancing the weapon system when it's going to perform exactly the same on the previous mechs and that's that's been what's happened for for ages and uh sometimes they'll mess with quirks in addition to the the weapon systems themselves but they almost never change the mech and you know hard point locations hard point types and quantities these are things that they never adjust because that requires the model to be reworked and i feel like you brought up a an interesting point when you you know the whole idea about accuracy you guys are saying pinpoint you're saying accuracy over and over and over again it's a recurrent theme i've thought there's through as well do you feel like there's a solution to that like the idea is like if you can take back in the day nine medium lasers on a uh, on a hunchback right or and then it's dual goss on the k2 right now you've got as the time has followed you know Peep, uh, peep, goss, UX goss, uh, ER mediums goss. Now we're back, you know, twofold. It was UX for what? The whole idea is: is there a solution? Because you're basically saying is you think it's the mechs. Another person saying is it's the equipment. Maybe you're both right and wrong at the same time. Could it just be? It's the idea that you can take all these weapons, boat them as well in different combinations, and be a hundred percent accurate at range at point blank is there a solution there there's a solution it, it, but people won't like it and we all that, know what it is and, <laughs> and i don't like it either i don't Who's like gonna say randomness in my games i like being in control of where my shots are going to be placed but the one the solution you could potentially do is having a small um rng area that when you shoot there's a potential that it goes in that direction a, a cone of fire kind of um but Again, you said it, cone of fire. Ah, now the fire starts. Um, but I mean, again, I'm not in favor of that. Uh, I like being in control of where my shots are going to be, where they're going to go. Um, but you're talking just in a hypothetical situation, uh, a way to like fix that problem. Um, so that'd be the solution, I would think. But I don't think a lot of people would be happy about it. Is there yeah. is there other solution than just straight up cone? Because what you're saying is cone RNG factors. Is there a more well, elegant mentioned recoil? Is there more elegant? Well, there's no recoil with fucking lasers. Well, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, uh, I think I think you can take the cone of fire idea, and um, I think uh, this is what tasteful rug and chat is kind of going towards. But a cylinder of fire, which is more of just dealing with convergence. Um, Hysterius just said the same thing. What about weapon convergence? Um, something that, I mean, you have convergence in the game. It adjusts to where your reticle is, right? Uh, something that some you know you've seen suggested a few times is is weapon convergence. If everything just shot straight forward, <laughs> or if you had an adjustable convergence, if it convert if it uh, converged at a far distance, unless you had target locks. I mean, this is something that they tested on a PTS. I think there was a lot more factors involved that made it fail, but um, convergence is one thing that you could do or mess with. It might not. Again, you're going to have a split community with any of these decisions. And uh, I'm not sure if that solves everything, but with Convergence, you no longer have that dual PPC, dual gauze rifle hitting the same component every single time. It's going to be more in line with, okay, well, you're trying to shoot a moving mech with that loadout, and it becomes a lot less effective. And more in line with lore, wouldn't you say? Well, is it also a good thing? And also, what does that do to other weapons does it make other weapon systems more op because the first thing that pops in my head is that well that wouldn't really affect close range brawlers now would it so that would affect your ability to snipe at range uh and then it would seem to me um basically certain setups would become straight up op in the majority of situations um so and again i go full circle of saying is is it really a problem and is there no elegant solution to be able to do it without causing a shitstorm. I don't think they're not without avoiding a, sh- a shitstorm. I think that you could you can test it all you want, but and no matter how much people uh, like it or dislike it, I mean, it, I don't think you're ever going to get people to agree on that. And I think part of it is just because this isn't just one area that we have to balance. It's, uh, as I, we prefaced at the beginning, that none of these one single topics that we're talking about contribute to match quality. I mean, there's just so much that get that gets involved, and um, I think in the state of the game that we have now, convergence on mechs is something that you could use to improve that sort of um, imbalance. Because there's there's so many people that that go towards um, the pinpoint FLD and gauze PPC, those types of loadouts. Uh, if that's if that's an issue, then it it's it solves it in a lot of ways that are that are very robust because i mean mechs mechs that can only fit one big weapon wouldn't be affected by it right because you only have to worry about the convergence of that one weapon whereas if you have two on either side of your mech now they're going to shoot on either side of the mech that you're aiming at so now you have frustration of why did i miss him i was aiming right at him obviously there's there's issues there so i mean it it presents a lot of problems for ranged weapons which indirectly buffs short range mechs and then you have to start thinking about okay well map map design terrain okay on frozen city we we saw a huge shift from being a close range map to being i would say it's still it's pretty well balanced personally in my experience and you just really have to to learn the map but it it's very um, easy to just take a long range setup and be very effective and not have to worry about close range. I mean, all these maps coming out just favor long range engagements. And so that's why I think the pinpoint FLD is, is more prevalent now is because of the map design, not nothing, nothing to do with the weapon itself or the mechs, but actually the maps that you play on in the situations well, look, you find compa- yourself. Compare uh, frozen to like bog. 
right? Um, yeah. And, and we'll get into Matchmaker in just a second. So, and maps. And maps. So in regards to mechs, uh, I think people would be more opt and open to hardpoint sizes, and I think you guys were sort of okay with that idea to help specialty and stuff like that. But when it, in regards to mechs and being pinpoint, I think we're all in agreement to where it wouldn't be a good direction for the game potentially just because of the PR aspect. And also too is if you're aiming, you should be able to hit what you hit. Um, so I guess my question is, do you then say you target the mechs? Like for instance, the night gear, for example, the ones that can do, uh, you know, goss in the arms. Do you basically say, you know what? Hey, that mech needs a reduction. In it's arm, uh, you know, pitch and torso yaw angle. Uh, what about an infotech hit? What if it, took a lot longer to lock onto targets and stuff like that. Do you see those small little balance changes? It may not ultimately affect the fact that it can hit you with a shit ton of bricks every single time, but do you think little changes like that are the way to go? Or you just say, you know, you just leave it as is. You know, when I first heard the, the PTS for Infotech, I'm going to call this the first PTS because this was like the first PTS where we tested something that was a major mechanic, mechanical change for gameplay. And, so to catch people up that don't know what it was, the part that I liked about it was that you had to lock onto a mech and then that impacted your ability to deal damage to it, basically. You like that? Hold on. I, You're saying I you liked, liked it. I liked the idea, okay. not how it was done on the okay. PTS. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let me be clear. <laughs> I, liked, <laughs> I was like, what? I liked the idea. I was not because... expecting that response. That was... <laughs> don't, don't be misled. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so the idea of, of actually locking onto a mech, not only does it promote good gameplay to target lock, and um, pe- people need to learn how to do that, but it would it would help the pop tarting side of things because when you jump up, you can you can lock you can see a mech, and as as long as you can target lock it in time, you can get an accurate shot off. And then mechs that don't pop tart are usually, you know, they're exposed long enough to get that target lock. And then you also have ranges that you can take into effect. You know, uh, the, 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 where the PTS fell flat was the amount of time they increased it. And Phil, you said earlier, um, you said like, make it a lot longer to target mechs. It just kind of, you kind of glossed over that, but that's the point. You don't want to make it a lot longer. You want to make it very, very minor, but enough time i'm talking about like a, just a fraction of a second the problem with the pts is like oh well t- to be a direwolf targeting this mech you have to take three seconds to get a target lock that was way way too long when yeah, it should just i think be, what you're talking like, right about now, is... it might be just instantaneous maybe if you add a half a second delay maybe if you add three quarters second delay something very minor but it's going to have an impact if you don't get that target lock so what you're talking about is uh it was sars uh sensor acquisition rate uh and it was Depending on your mech size and what mech you were in, yeah. So you had that. So, all right. You know, I think we've been talking weapons and tech enough. Let's can, move on to. Can, uh, can I dive into something that's near and dear? And I was yeah. given permission by Opie that I'm allowed to talk about this without resetting the clock on a podcast. But let's talk matchmaker. Let's talk grouping uh, solo queue. Um, I know how I feel, and everyone out there knows how I feel. So we're going to ask you guys how you feel, Brandon. Um, matchmaker right now, uh, with solo and we're going to dive into PSR as well. Um, what's your guys' experience in solo and group? 
Uh, and what are things that you would want? Uh, what are some negatives, I guess, to you know to focus on? And what are some positives uh, for solo and group that you're seeing, Brennan? Um, I think that's a really hard one to say because I play for the probably the last year. Um, I've been playing solo queue almost exclusively. Um, so some of the pros and cons, I guess, from dropping solo is basically not being able to actually have communication up until recently. Um, and what I mean by that is with the introduction of the um, command wheel and that sort of stuff, uh, more recently compared to, say, a year ago, um, solo queue has gotten a little bit better. Um, but I still think that the biggest downfall with solo queue is not being able to communicate on the fly with teammates or communicate effectively with teammates as compared to when you're comparing to uh, group queue. And I guess one of the ways you could potentially combat that would make the like a global battle grid that you could mark on or place markers on that would show up on people's heads, but that could also be easily abused, much like uh, Dota 2 dicks and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. That that one's a little bit harder for me to talk about. Uh, as far as group queue goes, um, what I'm actually kind of looking forward to is, I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit later in the podcast as well, but is the um, going from 8v8 group drop or sorry 12v12 group drops to an 8v8 competitive mode and i i think that overall would change um game flow but that, okay, that's my so answer let me ask you again uh brennan solo um do you have overall positive experience when you're dropping solo i mean yeah, in general uh, overall i i actually do have uh, a positive experience dropping solo um but that's also because when I play solo, I take my tryhard mechs. I don't play whatever build of the casual month I, I come up with. Um, I'm very much playing when I drop solo to win. So I'm taking my my Thunderbolt Wub or my um, um, those builds like that or my Kodiaks and stuff like that to, to play in solo queue. And I have a good time because I win and I do high damage and that sort of thing. Uh, I think one of the more frustrating things, though, is not having... Again, this comes down to not being able to play in a group in solo queue, is um, not knowing what your teammates are bringing to the table as well. Um, so you could... If I bring my tryhard Kodiak, um, I could also be placed in a match where there's four people in Locusts, and then it's just kind of up in the air at that point. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask Solomon in a second, uh, but Brandon, uh, just a yes or no. Would you like to be able to choose what mech you're taking once the map is established? Is that something you would be for or against? Um, I think if there was a one minute kind of like setup phase where you could maybe, if you remember in the original client, how you had your four favorite mechs or whatever in that bottom corner, um, if you had something like that brought back and in solo queue at like a one minute interval before drop, you could click on one of the four mechs that you have set as favorited or something like that. Um, I, I think I would, I think that would be a good thing. I think that would be pretty fun uh, to play around with. All right, Solomon, me and you, uh, or at least I, I'm sure you've heard me go on about the group queue and the good old days, I think, or at least better days. Um, do you feel that 
the current group situation does cause balance issues. And what I say group is being able to take, you know, whatever size group and X amount of tonnage. Do you feel like that's positive or negative to the group queue? The the size changes? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, we could take a four-man, but then even that was slightly abused because you could take three assaults and one heavy. Uh, but in general, group, uh, do you feel like it's a it's a positive or a negative uh, to being able to have so much freedom? Um, I'm going to say, uh, talk a little bit about my experience with that. So, I I mean, I've been with the game since, since closed beta. I took a little bit of a break as it transitioned to beta. So I've I've definitely have a lot of experience in both the old system and the new, and I, I do remember uh, when we transitioned to the new system, I loved it so much. It was it was a a big and well much needed improvement over what we had. Now I'm not saying that it's perfect. Obviously, uh, I I enjoyed dropping in whatever size we wanted. We didn't have to worry about it. You know, get on with whoever's on, and you can you can play. And it's just it was just a social thing. It wasn't necessarily um, I I wasn't even thinking about like match quality at that point. And even now, even like I'm you can you can talk about it and bring it up, and I'm sure it factors in. But I I drop in group to play with my friends, and I want to play with whoever's online, and I don't want to be forced to to play with others or uh, split up or. Um, do that sort of thing. Sure, I do agree that it would help from a match quality perspective. I think sure, structuring it that way, you could you can greatly improve the match quality. You could greatly improve the match quality. Um, I there's no way for me to disagree with that. Uh, but with the current system, if I dropping in groups, I'm dropping with friends, and I'm just there to have a good time. And if we lose, sometimes people get mad, and you have, they have to calm down. But I primarily play group just to socialize i think it's interesting if you were to ask people and they know you know know that they would know that nobody else would know their answer um and and, it, and you know you're going to get an honest answer i think most of the time people are going to pick their personal preferences whatever makes them happy over uh, a better match um although at the same time i feel like people complain all the time about matchmaker and terrible match matches quality. yep so it's like uh you know there, there's no win but i feel like and, and and i'm this way too you know i feel like we're selfish we all are we want whatever we want and we don't want like for example wing breaker in chat you're selfish dude i'm joking of course but you know it's it's um, for real you you are but for real yeah but no but i mean we really all have our own perspective we want what we want and don't fuck with my fucking game and we get that mad about it um but at the same time you get out of a stomp a 12-0 stomp and you're like fuck you matchmaker you, you know like so i don't know i don't know how to fix all that right oh yeah no definitely i mean then that's where you have to education is a huge part part of it i mean talking about it i think that's why I, I dislike it so much when people get too upset in group queue because I see it as just a big social thing. And if we don't do well, it's whatever. I mean, you can't complain too much about it. You can talk about what went wrong and and rationalize the reasons behind it. But in terms of, of the quality of the match, I I regretfully I'm kind of in Katra's uh, group. I haven't played a whole lot of group queue lately, but I mean, I, I sure sure played a lot of it. And that's that's just my ex- own experience, and I I think people just have to to double down on their what they really want from Group Q. Do you want this this competitive, best quality matches 
that are po that's possible while still being able to drop with your friends? Well, no, you have to make that decision, one or the other. You can't you can't have both. And if you choose one, stop complaining about the other. You have to rationalize it. But couldn't can couldn't someone argue they didn't get a choice? Right? They did. You know, it was. We're going to get a choice. That, competitive yeah, queue. <laughs> well, but the competitive queue is a whole other beast. I mean, and I guess my argument would be. Uh, Okay, so you're saying you enjoy it because of the social aspect. And you said you drop just to have fun. But I'm sure there's some nights you don't drop to have fun. I'm sure there's some nights you drop and you steamroll. And you steamroll. And you steamroll. And you steamroll. I've done it. Hell, I've done it in a 12-man group with my unit. And we were just not organized as far as mechs and all that. And we did it for hours. So going back to the sort of topic of balance and matchmaker... Isn't that a problem? Isn't that something that we should be aware of as players and actually, like, say, maybe, just maybe, my enjoyment of being able to drop with friends uh, in mass is causing issues? And shouldn't we have that discussion of saying, I don't know, maybe I'm too close to the topic. I mean, we've we've all heard it before, Phil. I mean, <laughs> well, just look it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many people on either side. There's the people, like Russ said two years ago, that... You know, like, hey, fuck you. I have seven friends. I want to play with my seven friends. And then there's other, you know, I, I just, I just not, obviously we're just here to discuss it. Look at the options. You, you know what it was, um, Darren? It was Pandora's box when it was done. Yeah, and I feel really like was. you can't retract it. That That's what I, I, I and honestly, in my heart is basically saying is as soon as you went, if you would have kept it to four and done yep. some, you know, rules and restrictions like tonnage back then, to be honest, Absolutely. I would love to see four man groups come back. And there's a few reasons. It's not just for uh, as far as like tonnage out in the battlefield. It's also too is the consolidation. Uh, one of the problems I've actually in a negative way is what you're saying, Salma, is if I'm dropping an IC six seven BMMU guys on the other team, right? Well, shit. Now before you guys might be in two different lances or three, and you might actually be dropping against each other. I remember some very, very competitive matches going on back in the day when we had four mans. And that's okay. what I missed. Yes. And, and I miss. Because and... We, we all have to admit, okay, I mean, yes, a lot of us do the rolling and we'll steamroll for a night or whatever. But I want to see one person in this chat say that their favorite games in general aren't the ones that are super close because for me those are always and we can be on the losing side and they're, they're still the most fun matches when they're super close so for me balance as far as the match goes is always uh you know top dog priority um but sula says it's not um the the matchmaker uh it's not group size it's pilot skill rating psr and tier our tiering system and so forth so okay. let's move into that because we are an hour and 20 minutes into this i am going to move this along um, so let's, even though there's more to say about all this, of course, um, let's get into that. So the rating system, what do you guys think? What are the problems? What are the, what are, what's good? What's bad? What's ugly? Well, the, uh, should we just go straight into the ugly? Go into the ugly. What <laughs> is go, the ugly? For I'd, go for it. I'd love to see some transparency in how people have progressed through the tier system because it's, it's, it's an experience system. It's an experience bar. Which has its uses for sure. I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd rather drop with somebody who's been playing the game for as long as I have or similar experience uh, with the game time-wise than somebody that's brand new to the game. But that's not what we're seeing. And 
um, with the tier system being an XP bar, you just everybody moves up. Everybody continues on into tier one. And that's why I, I think you could point at that and the inevitability that everybody will reach those top tiers eventually. You'll have some people that are legitimately at a certain experience level where it's working, it's functioning as intended for those individuals. But I think the majority of players are going to start moving up. It might take a long time, but eventually they're all going to be in that top half. And so you're going to start seeing the same skills, uh, <laughs> the same uh, different people being considered the same skill level or tier level in, in the PSR. And it's an issue because you start seeing these, these roles, especially in solo queue, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm seeing that over time. People are seeing that and they're, they're wondering what the heck is going on. It has something radically changed in the past week or two, you know, but it's just been this steady thing that's gotten worse. And it, it's, I, I really think that if you, if PGI was transparent with the tiers and how, where people were placed over time, we would see this steady, steady increase towards tier one. Brennan, do you, uh, is that your experience as well, as far as match quality or well, player quality and matches? Uh, yeah, that's the experience as well. I think the transparency between how the tiers are set up and what actually uh, allows someone to progress or regress down the tiers, um, I think is very important. And I agree. Eventually, someone, if they play long enough and understanding the grip of the game, they will eventually end up in those higher tiers. And then comes into the issue where if you're not if you're not playing meta, the game isn't fun anymore. Um, because everyone else in those when you get stuck in that higher tier, everyone else is playing at the top of their ability where if you want to just drop and have some fun with a really casual, silly build you're just going to get steamrolled and then it's just like, Oh, alt F4 for the night. Like that's, that's my day. Um, so maybe again, and looking forward into the future a bit with the separation of the queue and bringing into a competitive mode, you might see that go away, but as it currently is getting stuck in those higher tiers and the progress that happens there, um, can, I think for a good number of people, getting forced upwards constantly and then getting forced more and more to being, I don't want to say forced to play uh, competitive, but you're basically getting somewhat forced to be more and more competitive the longer you play. And I think for some people that either burns them out or they just don't find it fun. Um, but that's just my kind of view on it. So, so what's the solution here? Because one thing uh, I'll interject here is, the whole idea about quick play matches. And we've had ELO before with quick play, but the problem was ELO could be very restrictive, right? I remember Jaeger for 40 minutes waiting for a match because there was no one else in queue, right? Um, so we've had a very restrictive ELO rating on a per player basis. But is there is there a, is there a solution to PSR right now? Because people are saying zero sum and... I'll be honest, I don't think zero sum will work in this case. And you, you, we've heard Paul you know, say that as well. You guys will have zero sum in the ranked queue, and that works, right? But the reason I bring this up is, regardless of whatever system or adjustments that you think could happen to PSR, I still think you're going to almost have the exact same outcome as far as matches. And the reason being is just the pools of players available at any given time Right, and then who gets matched up. So even if you do some type of elaborate system what you're talking about, I still feel you're going to have, in solo, 
good players with not as good players to compensate. Does that make sense? Like now, group Q is a whole nother, like that's a whole well, nother also thing. Population. We didn't talk about player population as well. I mean, obviously that plays yeah. a part. Drop in, uh, in nine o'clock in the morning on Eastern. There's not a whole lot of people. I dropped solo because groups will like this morning. We were waiting for five minutes. Me and Zoe, I switched to solo, got matches instantaneously. Now, I watch Proton a lot, and sometimes it's funny because he do, he'll rage and he'll get mad that you know players on his team aren't at his level. But isn't that sort of a balancing mechanic as well? Because how many Protons are out there at any given time when he's on? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, true. Yeah, I mean, realizing that that you're your own person and it's it's hard to accept that other people don't understand the th- same things that you do and you have to take a second and and come to that conclusion it's easy to rage at times but uh, when you sit down and talk you think about it well it's this person just there's there's they're not wrong i mean they, they might make stupid decisions uh based on what you've seen sure they could have done this or that but it's it comes down to that person and their own experience are they having fun and uh they're a human being too i mean they're they're playing a game to the best of their ability, and you you don't know what the situation is or what what factors into that person's experience, and that's I agree with that. I don't think that you should have two teams that are full of you know twelve v twelve protons. <laughs> I don't think that's that's what that's people MRBC want, and it's that's <laughs> that's an MRBC eight v eight. Yeah, I have a hard time raging in solo queue because, I mean, first of all, obviously, I'm not a proton or anything near that. But just because I go into them understanding that there's a bunch of people from different, you know, perspectives, skills, sets, whatever. And it's it's a crapshoot sometimes. And, and so I just can't find it in me to rage over that. I understand super competitive people like proton that's they just always want to win and that's how you get that good and 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 i understand that i'm not blaming him for it or whatever but you know i feel like the only time you can really rage at your team for everybody not performing at your level is if you're on a in a comp scene you know whether it's mwowc or or mrbc or whatever well yeah where there's expectations yeah and let me bring up uh, how do you guys feel and what would you define or how would you track skill like, well, that's a mind fuck, isn't well, it? Like, how do you that's, track? That's what that's what Katra was saying. I mean, like he, you, Katra, you might be a tier one player. You might not feel like it at times, and then, uh, you might be a really good shot, but maybe you're playing a silly build. I mean, there's so many different things. So, you, do you just tie it to win loss? I mean, is it just elo? Is that is that all you factor in? Because I mean, if I have a high elo, and I and like you were saying, if I wanted to just have fun. Am I allowed to just have fun at that point? I mean, am I required to carry? And that was a big issue that Jaeger had. It was like, well, with ELO, even when you find a match, you were expected to contribute as much as you were rated. You are the the value that brings up the rest of your team to match the other team. And as we all know, one person that's really good typically doesn't have as much of an impact as a a team of, of mediocre or decent pilots if you have to carry a bunch of people that are well below your level and it's that's that's no fun i mean but how do you, how do you have fun as a as a skilled individual how do you have fun how do you um how do you control that how do you put a value on that what what would and you suggest uh adjustments to psr or what kind I of think, adjustments would you make i think i like the idea that jay-z was posting i would like to see what that would do in terms of breaking up each tier into a percentage of players. Um, 
but that again, if you're not if you're not basing that on uh, what PSR is now, I'm not sure. I think that the percentage will keep you at a at a place where if you're not consistently doing well, you'll drop down and you won't be a part of that tier one anymore. But then you play something that's really good and then we're, we're right back to this issue. So I can't, I don't see it working unless you place some sort of value on a mech and a build. And I, don't, I hate to bring up battle value again, and I'm not saying battle value in terms of what what it is in battle tech necessarily. It would be its own, its own unrelated thing. But uh, Forced Induction a month ago posted it. I mean, it wasn't really well received. I think it was just because he called it battle value because <laughs> nobody likes that term. But You're saying like the the labeling take... a mech X, Y, and Z in a tier. Yeah. Like a, this is a tier... The Kodiak 3 is a tier 1 mech, so if you take it, you know, or if you're a, a good a good player and you take a less, is that basically the, the gist of it? Exactly. If you, I mean, it, you can't control, you can't control it to a fine level, but it should be a factor. And that factor should be included in your, the tonnage. It could even, I mean, that value could, could take into account your tonnage or your armor. And uh, then that combined with ELO might give you that value that you'd want to use to balance teams. What about you, Brandon? Any thoughts? Um, I kind of like that idea of the... Uh, well, I know when we were... When, I don't know if I'm able to say this or not. Well, whatever. It's way in the past, whatever. <laughs> um, when we were first quirking mechs, um, that we kind of went through and assigned each mech a, uh, a tier rating, more or less, to take into consideration what the quirks they were going to get or how many and that sort of thing. So I think something like that actually to going towards your your rating it makes a lot of sense as well because, yeah, some variants, uh, example, Kodiak, um, perform much better on average than, say, uh, a hunchback, um, a specific hunchbacks or something like that. So if you're playing something that's not considered as good of a mech, I think that should go to reflect that, hey, perhaps you're not going, wanting to play at a tier one level at the moment that maybe will artificially like scale you back. So, so are you guys saying is if I'm a tier one player and I take a tier one mech that uh, PSR or matchmaker is going to match me up against tier one? Or are you basically saying that if I win, I don't net gain a ton of points. I, you know, I barely make anything at all. And is that what you're saying? Like, if I'm a tier one player and I take a Akita 3C, it's a ship mech, so it's a tier five mech, and I win, I get a nice jump. Is that basically what do you guys? I mean, I think... that that could be part of it as well. But I think like some mechs, like as it is, where there's only the one Q, I think is also one of the biggest issues. But um... I think one of the issues right now is if I'm a tier one player and I'm dropping, uh, say, solo queue again, um, I know I have to bring, like, I know I have to bring my tier one mechs because if I don't, then I, I basically let everyone else down, um, as, as we were saying before with Jaeger as the example. Um, but I think, again, looking forward, the separation of the queues, if I want to have fun, I'm not just going to play competitive. I'll just play the other group queue or the other solo queue or whatever, I'll just take whatever I want because at the end of the day, I'm not technically losing anything. Um, I don't have to play 110% uh, at the time because it's just, it's a for fun queue. Who cares? Um, 
Whereas you would have the, the, the competitive queue where, yeah, if I want to play competitive, I would select that queue and then I would go 110% for a couple matches and then maybe switch back. Like, I, I think right now it's just the people that are good at playing in those queues at tier one feel like they must perform at tier one at all times or else the, the, the matches become so not as good. What I'm hearing is the current PSR isn't perfect, but the really... I mean, you guys haven't thrown at me any, you know, crazy solutions to, you know, making it, is it better. Just, is, it, is it is what it is, tuning? you know? Yeah, could we fine-tune it better, maybe? I mean, is there not, if maybe there's not a overall better solution, as in, a, in other words, a different format, but maybe just fine-tune it better? I don't know. No, I think, I think that the idea that we just proposed about having percentage-based and having some sort of battle value that, that takes into account your, your loadout in a way... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to Force Induction again because what what he came up with was a was a good example of that. I mean, it could be something very simple. You have a mech that has maybe maybe a mech has a a number associated to its tier level in terms of hard points. That is a fact is one part of the factor. You have how much armor or your weight. That's one part of the factor. You have what type of weapons you are putting on the mech. You can easily do something in the background that looks at looks at a build, looks at all the stats for that mech, and then uses that information as part of the value that you associate to a player when they queue. I mean, there's going to be it's a lot of numbers. I mean, you're not going to have just one clean thing to look at like Elo, but if you if you factor in all these nuances that that add to your match experience, your loadout, your mech. And your your ability overall, or even specifically for that mech or that weight class, like we we had Elo that was broken up by weight classes, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, there was a reason I think there was a, some technical reason why they wouldn't do it per mech, maybe because it it threw things way off when a new mech came out, and they wanted to kind of seed people within that weight class when new mechs came out. So uh, I, which is fine, but I, I really think that does offer a lot more than what we have currently. I, I do like the idea about the percentage. I think it'd be very difficult, though, because, like, this, a player, how do you show improvement? You know, how, do they hit a wall and they, you know, they they can never get up from, you know, let's just say tier five to four? Uh, how does that work? Um, I don't think it's bad. I'm just saying is there would obviously have to be an explanation in the system there. Also... Um, you know, one thing that they could do is they have the data and um, uh, stats to be able to say what are the most used mechs analytically and most used mechs uh, or top performing mechs as well because it tracks all the damage done and stuff like that. That could be a way for an automated system to basically start tagging mechs and putting them in categories of top performing. And then obviously you could always compare that to for instance, you could ask the community, hey, this is the list that the, you know, do you guys agree generally uh, or touch base with some of the, the you know, um, comp scene and, you know, say, hey, do you actually feel like the Night Gear or the Kodiak 3 is, you know, a top, you know, not of the yes, yes, you know, uh, that could well, be what they did at the initial quirks, right? They they did talk to select competitive members to develop the first few iterations of mech tiers back uh, i think when like the phoenix yep. max released yep and in th- it was pretty accurate most people agreed with that list and if they did something similar again where they where they um they took a poll in terms of like the hard point like i was saying there needs to be something some sort of factor that has to do with hard points well let's look at mechs specifically based on give them a rating for their their hard point 
their hitbox. This doesn't. This is all background stuff. The player doesn't really need to know this to enjoy the game, and all they would see necessarily is one of those factors, which contributes to like a an experience bar for that particular mech. Personally, yeah. uh, I, looking at that sort of system, I, I think that it would be easily absorbed by a player. And then instead of seeing your PSR, your overall PSR go up or down, um, which could also change. I mean, Sula keeps saying make it zero sum. I'm I'm not super familiar with the concept. I know like okay, well you're gonna go up and you're gonna go down if you win as well if you do bad, but uh, try to try to keep this this bar from continuing to move upward is the general concept. But what you see as a player after you finish a match, if you do well in this mech, you see that mech that mech's number, whatever number. It doesn't have to be explained to the player. It just they see that they improve or they see that they that it goes down. Or it stays the same. It's a, I mean, it's what we have in PSR now, but just break it up into mechs. I'm not sure what technical difficulties PGI could have with implementing something like that, but it's all just a numbers game. It's just a numbers game. I don't think that you can actually look at the analytics of like, okay, let's look at the Kodiak 3. How well is it performing across the board? I don't think you can do that because <laughs> you have... Somebody else mentioned in chat earlier that you you see that Kodiak three that did less than hundred damage. Yeah. You see him again two matches later. But, he does less than two hundred damage. Generally <laughs> like, speaking, well, just because he's in a good mech doesn't he's not. But generally speaking, well. when you take a, a a data set like that and you have a large amount of games, you start to see and I, anybody that's dealt with analytics, you actually do start to see um, things pop out. Um, so over the large course, not just, you just you know, have to handful. have enough data because the that. exact same concept of what you were just talking about is applied to every single mech. So if every single mech will have, you know, new players and people doing stupid stuff all the way to top players performing, you'll see a good enough precedent, uh, as far as data, but we do need to move on. Um, and Thank it's, you. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna go to uh, our last topic for balance, and this is maps and game modes. And we talked about game modes last week, but I need to ask you guys: How do you feel about the argument uh, of going back to eight v eight compared to twelve v twelve? What we currently have, Brendan? Do you feel like eight v eight is a better? Do you think that's better for the game or community, or do you just like? I, I think yes. Um, I think in fun unranked matches, twelve v twelve is perfectly fine. I think though, if we're talking competitive fun matches, I think eight v eight is the way to go. I'm talking uh, about solo game. and quick play, solo and group and quick play. Should it be eight v eight or should it be twelve v twelve? I'd say honestly, go if if possible, give the option between the two and create separate queues, but. I think 8v8 in general is a better playstyle. Um, and there's many reasons of this, and I realized this when going back and watching like five, six-year-old videos that I made uh, back during like friends and family and stuff like that. Um, I think 8v8 was a much slower game because uh, there was one, more map space for people to move about. Um, and two, you didn't have as much of a death ball. Uh, losing a person early in 8v8 was absolutely detrimental, more so than in 12v12, where everyone groups up and pushes. 8v8, I found, was more spread out. Uh, Hit-and-run tactics were a lot more viable, um, just because you didn't have these huge lines, basically, of mechs just able to pinpoint and fire on you and just blow you instantly. Um, 8v8 I found the amount of damage uh, even though you had mechs that could still 
um, do put out 40 points of damage at the time. Um, you didn't have 12 of them putting out 40 points of damage. You had 8, and even then, you only you sometimes even saw only 4 um, at a time. So the, the damage was scaled downward but as well. Salma, they, was, they, was that because of the tech at the time? Uh, do we do we have a little bit of a you know romanticism sort of looking back at it of saying I don't think so because even 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 during the eight v eight days you still had catapults with dual twenties uh, strapped to the sides of them you still had things like the victor you had the chainsaw cataphract for the longest time as well uh, just putting out massive amounts of damage but in an eight v eight setting though they still stood out. Um, you didn't just blow up instantly because 12 people hit you with 12 PPCs, uh, or 24 PPCs if you have two of them. Um, you just didn't step out and die. Uh, you stepped out, tanked a little bit of damage, and you had the ability to go back if you needed to. Brandon, do you think that that's uh, for all maps, or do you think that there's some maps where 12v12 is appropriate, Polar Highlands or whatever? I think definitely there are some maps where 12v12 is appropriate. Um, that, like... I, I kind of looking back as well some of the older maps uh, like old forest Col- old forest colony um, the smaller one on AV8 was perfect uh, or I shouldn't say perfect but it was well suited for that play like that size of play um, it didn't feel crowded it didn't do anything like that um, the new new frozen city I think works fine as a 12v12 map. Um, compared to, because I, I think if you were to drop it to AV8, though you would have a lot more space, I think light mechs would be a lot more suited on that as well, because AV8 hit and run style tactics on the new Frozen City, I think would be great, because they already do them now. Um, I think that, yeah, I think some maps are suited for 12v12 and some are suited for AV8, um, but it's up to, uh, it's up to, I guess, the community to decide what ones are what. <laughs> Solomon, thoughts on uh, 8v8, 12v12 maps? Oh, I, I agree with everything that Ketra said. I think it would be a nice change of pace. Uh, some maps might not be as well suited for them as others, but I I think that uh, I, I'd love to see an 8v8 again. And uh, the, the issue is, um, I think Sula said, well, prediction is that no matter what you do with this, uh, if your tier system isn't going to work, then then it doesn't matter. You're still going to have rolls. Well, I think that what Phil said at the beginning is is true. That if you don't have twelve mechs that just form together and steamroll, um, if it, if it's reduced to eight, it has a lot less potential. I mean, you only have eight mechs to shoot back, but I think it lowers the chance of just death ball tactics. I think that does it, uh, it, would, it would be in a big ingredient. In- does it? I, mean, I think it does. Remember because back if then? you have if you have twelve people that are working together, uh, you you just happen to be in that group that where twelve people are are single mindedly charging into another enemy team and your your team spread out. Um, in an eight v eight, you're gonna have four less people that are coordinated with them pushing in, and I, you're gonna have four less people on the other side receiving them. But usually it was an issue of just coordination. The eight v the the team deathballing is still probably gonna win. I do, I do well, um, the, the reason respect I, that. But. The reason I bring this up is I, I feel like we're we're talking about two different things. Solo, group, organization, APA. I still feel like you're still going to have the exact same behavior. I mean, if you take Polar Highlands and you put 8v8, 
you're going to have people spread out everywhere as well, right? I mean, Incursion or any of these game modes, Conquest, you spread out. Yes, you, you don't have uh, four additional mechs on each side, but I remember people being stupid back then too. But I also remember we didn't have double heat sinks for the longest time. We didn't have, a, you know, uh, mechs with high mounts everywhere. Um, and yes, you still had the uh, dual Goss or, uh, you know, dual AC-20s. But now you've got mechs that can take 50, 60 sustainable alphas. So that that's my concern I, I is a... when having this conversation, are we romanticizing about, hey, 8v8 would actually be better for the game and time to kill would be reduced. Is is that necessarily true? Or is it just we're sort of projecting this past, you know, like back in our day? It could be a little bit of romanticism, but I think uh, the volume of fire uh, effect is kind of um, there as well. With, with four minus mechs, that's a reduction in quite a bit of damage um, going in your direction, no matter what mechs they take. Um, therefore, I think survivability would go up. And with more, uh, again, you're probably still going to get 8v8 death balls, but I think the fights will last longer just because four less mechs putting, that's four less, that's potentially up to 400 tons less of weaponry going up against a single individual. Um, so I think, I, I think, yeah, 8v8 would be better long long term in terms of uh, games going longer and games being more fun. All money counter. Or... I agree, and I agree with what Jay said. Jay Z said it's it's basically comes down to math. I mean, what I, that's what I was trying to get across. If you have twelve, if you have twelve mechs steamrolling, uh, co- you know, in a coordinated manner. I'm not just talking about group Q too. I mean, it happens in solo. Uh, that's where you see most of the rolls is because you have you just happen to have more players on your team that are um, that are working together and just are aware situationally and know what needs to be done and they put themselves in the right positions to kill mechs and if they're coming around a corner i mean not all 12 people are going to be fighting at the same exact time but you're going to maximize the amount of firepower you can have looking in one direction and then they see a mech melted they see another mech melted that's what happens typically in a roll and then the matches are it's lopsided and now there's no way to come back typically when you have a death ball with 12 players with eight you have eight players that come around a corner they see a single mech you might not have as many people shooting at that mech now. I mean, it's pretty simple math. It's when people get caught out and focused, and you won't have as many as many mechs as focused in that situation. I mean, you're still going to run into the same issues. I'm not arguing that. Um, but I do, I do think that the time to kill is going to go up in that situation. And I don't think that you're going to see a huge spread out on Polar. I mean, 12, 12 people right now, they, uh, they stick together on Polar typically. And 8v8, you're still going to stick together. In fact, I think you'd actually see more movement on Polar as as an 8v8. You can actually utilize the train a little bit better because there's more room. Um, polar, I mean, you have nothing but room on Polar, right? <laughs> but there's only good terrain. There's only so much good terrain that you can hide behind or that you can maneuver. And I think that having an 8v8 would make that much better on, on many maps. The ability to coordinate with your team instead of just getting flustered by how many people are there you know if you have four people that go off and do something stupid because they weren't paying attention it's a lot harder to keep track of 12 or 11 other friendly mechs too whereas if you have seven friendly mechs it's easier to coordinate with them it's easier to to for the teamwork to um to work 
Yeah, I can I can see that, but I can also argue if I'm in an eight v eight situation, I drop solo, and one player just totally derps. That has a bigger impact than if I'm in a twelve v twelve and one person derps because I can still come back from eleven v twelve. Seven v eight, it's I mean it's math. I mean, um, yep. So I could argue, you know, again in reverse, like uh, your decisions in eight v eight are more impactful than they are in a twelve v twelve. Um, and, you know, of course, we see it on a day-to-day basis where people just, you know, for whatever reason, you're having a bad day. I've had bad days where I just derp and whatever. You run out of bounds or you just get taken out for whatever reason. But uh... no, that's, All right, a good, that's a good point because, I mean... <laughs> Lose, losing one guy in a 12v12, it happens all the time. In an 8v8, that would be devastating. Right, right. And we've been there before, this has so been, we know. This has been an awesome conversation, but I am absolutely going to bring this to a close. I appreciate everybody's input. This is the kind of discussion that Phil and I were hoping we would get out of these podcasts, and we're getting them. We're going to continue this. Um, I, and believe me, we were all, all of us, I think all four of us were reading chat as well, um a lot of good input from you guys obviously it's a divisive uh topic and you know a lot of people feel one way a lot of people feel a other way but it's great to bring this out discuss it look at options um and and, and have this this discussion and, and and communication with each other um so again thank you salama uh, i'm gonna give you here's his uh twitch channel go check him out uh he's you know many days a week he's streaming uh, very entertaining, so be sure to check him out. And then also, Brandon Catrickell, one of our OG NGNG co-hosts. Thank you for being back. It was great to have you, Brandon. It really was. Oh, thank you for inviting me back. It's it's so so weird. It's like I never left. I know, really. <laughs> and there's his uh, YouTube channel. He does, like I said, his Aces podcast once or twice a month. Be sure to check them out as well. Um, you know, we may come back to this topic. There were certain parts of it that obviously... Uh, you guys wanted to keep going on and and maybe we will maybe we'll pinpoint specific areas of balance and talk to me about them again like psr or whatever um and i and i do hate to cut off the conversation when everybody still wants to keep talking but i need to freaking eat i'm going crazy it's eight o'clock here are you hangry right now <laughs> i'm not yeah. i just need to eat man uh it's been a long day but anyway this is almost two hour podcast and you know how i like to keep them under i know an hour, so that's why i kept going just to you know <laughs> See how long I could push it before you were like, no, we're fucking done. All right. Um, But but yeah, guys, again, just want to say thank you. Thank you to Salama. Thank you to uh, Brandon for being here. Uh, This podcast, of course, is supported by you guys, the viewers and listeners. Uh, If you guys enjoy our content, whether it's a daily streams, these podcasts, whatever we're doing, please consider supporting us via a variety of ways. Uh, One of those you can do is subscribe to a channel. Uh, that button is down below. You get access to emoticons. Slow-mo doesn't affect you during roundtables and town halls and all that fun stuff. We do have uh, access to a ton more emoticons, and we are actually getting them worked on as we speak. So stay tuned on that, as well as a cheer emote uh, uh, for all those bits. Um, of course, you can become a patron as well. we got that link and information down below. Another way you guys can support us is just shop like you normally do. And on Amazon, we have an affiliate link. You click it. You shop like you normally do. Amazon tosses us some kickback for marketing and all that. Doesn't add anything to your cost. Totally uh, that easy. That's all. That's all you got to do. Um, PSA announcement. If you do have Amazon Prime, you can actually sub for free to the channel via linking your Amazon and your Twitch account getting Twitch Prime. 
Um, all you have to do is link those two. I'll go and drop that link in the chat uh, for you guys. Super easy, takes a few clicks. And of course, if you hate us after a month, you can always cancel it and go to someone else. It's that easy. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for coming out here. Hopefully you enjoyed the discussion. And um, I do feel like we have to dive back into a few of those topics and we can definitely keep going down the rabbit's hole. But uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you again. Don't forget we are sponsored here by Nick's Jerky. And as Darren says, if you like meat as much as he does, you're going to like this jerky. Head over to nicksjerky.com and or the link in the chat. Use promo code NGNG. Receive 5% off your order. And uh, you can enjoy meat as much as Darren does as well. Uh, is there any meat do you enjoy saying. most right now, Darren? <laughs> oh, we're talking <laughs> about jerky. Own. We're talking yeah, about jerky. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I still, the original and the, uh, the the brown sugar are my favorite. And absolutely, I do recommend it. It's awesome, Nick's Jerky. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I was distracted by my family coming right through. Right. Obviously, in a, in a, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm in a different situation in my little brother's house, trying to do the best that I can. Next week, I'll try and have a lamp so you can see me. And uh, I don't look like some drug dealer narking on all my drug dealer friends. All right, guys. Again, like I said, quick shout out to you, Darren, uh, Catrakel, and Solomon. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your nights to talk mech talk. Guys, this was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. Signing off for tonight. This is Phil. You know what? I'm going to interrupt and say I got to hear it from Brandon. We haven't heard it in a long time. Go for it, Brandon. This is Brandon, also known as Catrakel. <laughs> there you go. Salama. This is Salama, a.k.a. Penclick. <laughs> Penclick. All right, this is Darren. Until next time, Mech Warriors.